Well, no doubt in our pharmacies, there are many things that we've been presented with that have made us feel a little bit awkward and a little bit uncomfortable. But I'd bet nothing as much as sales and particularly retail sales. We don't often maximize our success because we don't follow a secret formula. But wouldn't it be nice if we knew that secret formula and we could apply it into our businesses today? And to share that with us, I've invited the retail guy, Christian Marnie, to share with us his secrets for our pharmacy retail success. Welcome to the Transformation Show, where successful pharmacy owners and technology partners help you to build a better 21st century pharmacy by embracing technology. Here is your host, Robert Starr. G'day everyone and welcome back to Transformation, the only dedicated podcast in the world where pharmacy and technology collide to bring you the motivated pharmacy owner, all that you need to build your smarter, more successful 21st century business before it's too late. My name's Robert Starr, your host and guide on this fantastic journey of ours, all the way through to episode 73. Big show today, we're going to have time for a quick check-in with you. Some great listener feedback. We're going to update you on next week's masterclass, filling up very, very nicely. And of course, we've got our interview today with Christian Marnie, the retail guy, where we're going to tackle the awkwardness that often comes with having those awkward sales conversations with our customers. They'll be awkward no more. I know you're going to love it. How's your week been? I'm back from Sydney this week. It's nonetheless still very cold here in Melbourne. Hope you're somewhere warm. It is promised it's going to get warmer, but we're still freezing here first thing in the morning. It does warm up. I had a great pleasure of helping some motivated pharmacy owners like you up in Sydney and also meeting some inspirational pharmacy owners as well. Of course, everyone has their inspirational story, but these guys that I spoke to who have agreed to share their stories of transformation in their own stores or multiple number of stores in the coming weeks, I know you're going to love it. There's going to be so much gold they're going to be able to share in a whole diverse range of businesses, threatened by discounters, Huge amounts of challenges they've had to overcome, but they've done it and going extremely strongly. So I know you're going to love those stories as they come up to you in the coming weeks. Managed to uh, fulfill a long-term goal of mine by listening to Tom O'Toole, who for those of us outside of Australia or for those in Australia who haven't heard his name before, is of course the founder of the Beechworth Bakery. And he was presenting at the Australian Technology Park for the keen listeners who saw me there in our preview video last week. And I've seen so many parallels between a lot of community retail businesses, particularly things like bakeries and pharmacies. They're both very traditional businesses in our communities if we go back to our roots back in the 18 and 1900s. And it was great to hear from Tom, his top 25 marketing ideas and some of his strong business culture that really helped him build this empire of bakeries, which is simply unheard of in that industry. And how they're going well at the moment, they're out to five different regional stores and just going stronger and stronger. And all of the culture that he's injected and these marketing brilliant ideas, they're not rocket science, but they're just so simple. And the underlying takeaway and theme that I take away from that is really just about community engagement and really understanding the driving 
forces around you. So whether that be a community organization around you that needs to raise some money for a very, very important cause, or even just your local football club, you need to find ways that your business can support the community. And the big tip that Tom gave everyone, it's not just about dipping your hand in your pocket and giving product and money away. It's really engaging it into the fabric of your business, your people, and everything you do. There's so many learnings from that. I'd love to share more with you, but I can't confirm it just yet because I've made some inquiries as to how we could extend this a bit further and uh, get the lessons that came out from that put into practice and into context for pharmacy. And I'll have to confirm it with you in a few weeks' time, but we're looking to dedicate an entire episode to this type of local area marketing and specifically growing that community business culture. I know you're absolutely going to love it, so I'll keep you updated as we go along with that as well. It may not be with Tom directly, but it may be someone who's very, very close to him. A number of you in the past few weeks have asked me if I'd be interested or if I would be repeating the format from episode 54 because a few of you have said, look, it's hard to keep pace with the weekly format that you put out. Sometimes I've got to miss one or miss the odd two and I can't help but feel that I might be missing some of the gold that you're sharing on the show. So to bring that all together, I felt that on our anniversary show that we did in episode 54, it was basically the best of the first year of transformation, but it also was Transformation Magazine issue number one delivered to you in 45 minutes. And of course, I thought, well, we might be able to do the same. We've had issue two out of Transformation Magazine for just over a month now. Proving very, very popular, mind you, if you haven't checked it out at transformationmagazine.com.au. But what I felt we would do, just so we can catch everyone up and really distill some of the great lessons that came out from that, is I'm going to dedicate next week's episode, number 74, where we're going to be bringing together something for everyone. We're going to cover off something in every one of those nine critical areas that we talk around the Pharmacy Freedom Index. So there'll be something in it for all of you. And we'll do that in about 45 to 50 minutes, just like episode 54. And if you want a quick preview and go ahead, you can check out issue two of Transformation Magazine and you'll get your themes out of that. But we'll take the best nuggets of gold out of every single one of them and distill it into next week's show. I know you're going to love it. Your last chance to register for the Create Your Smart Business Exit Masterclass. It'll be held next Friday, so of course we're going to publish next Friday. So if you do listen straight up next Friday, you may have another opportunity. But we're almost at capacity. The, I guess the, the demand has been simply overwhelming. I, I knew that we were talking about a topic that resonates with a lot of pharmacy owners. But we're getting to the point now that I'm having to talk to Jeff about how we're going to manage potentially a wait list. So I'll see how we go. We'll see if we can increase the capacity if we do hit that. We are nearly at capacity. So if you're listening to this, do not waste any time. Head across to robertstar.com forward slash business exit webinar and grab your spot. As we mentioned, we know that it's sometimes very difficult to get on live at 12 o'clock, but we have promised the first 100, you'll be able to grab the replay probably about a day after the event, and you'll be able to watch that anywhere, anytime on any device you choose. It's going to be fantastic, and it's going to be something that 
gives you the opportunity to get all of those tough questions out in the open for Jeff. And when I say out in the open, it's out in the open for you, but no one has to know that you're asking those questions. It's purely anonymous. Obviously, I'm going to know, but ultimately, none of your colleagues in the audience are going to know that you're there and you're asking the questions. You can do that anonymously if you choose. So it's there for you. It's a great resource. And Jeff is more than happy to answer as many questions, even if we go a little bit over time. I know you're going to love it. Today's show, again, is brought to you today by Audible. So for you, the listeners of The Transformation Show, Audible is offering you a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I'm listening to The Second Machine Age by Eric Bringjolfson and Andrew McAfee at the moment, which you can download or another audiobook for free by trying audible.com. If you head across to audibletrial.com forward slash transformation, again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash transformation, you can grab your free audiobook. And of course, you can grab that straight after this show, and a link is in the show notes. So don't jump off the treadmill, don't lose the dog, enjoy what's coming up as well. Now, we're going to roll into our interview today with Christian Marnie. We're going to really dispel a lot of those key myths that we always think about sales conversations being awkward. And typically, because we're clinicians first and retailers second, it sometimes doesn't come naturally to us. But Christian's got some great secret formulas he's going to share with us today, and it's going to instill so much confidence with us. We can't wait to get back out onto the retail floor. I know you're going to love it. Our interview today is with Christian Marnie, the retail guy. He's a retail sales specialist and he walks to the mantra that being prolific beats perfection every day. Christian Marnie, welcome to the Transformation Show. Hey Rob, thanks for having me mate. Oh, look, great to have you on, Christian. And it's been a couple of weeks since uh, I had the uh, pleasure of appearing on your go-to retail show. So it's uh, nice to have you on the Transformation Show. And, um, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. It couldn't come at a better time. We've had a lot of pressure being placed on pharmacy, lots about PBS reform. We're not going to talk about a lot of the problems today, but why retail might be a great solution uh, to growing that profit center in your business in other areas outside of the dispensary. So Christian, we always love to know, I guess, when our guests come on the show, um, you know, why retail for you? Why are you so passionate about it? And uh, why do you see it as such a critical element of a modern pharmacy business? Okay, there's a couple of questions there. Thanks for having me on again. Um, my, pa- I guess my passion for retail is because that's really all I've done. I, I did a year of uni in building construction and um, did the thing where I thought, oh, you know, I need to go and just learn how to be a part of the workforce for a year. I, took, I deferred my course down in Melbourne and then I, um, I went into retail and, and I've referred to it as the trapdoor industry because lots and lots of people can honestly stick their hand up and say you've fallen in and, and never got out. So I guess that's uh, that, that was how I got into it. And the, the reason why I guess I'm so passionate about retail is because it provides so many millions of people with an opportunity to learn business. And I think that I'm not going to get into the nerdy side of this conversation, but for me, I think that our tertiary and uh, secondary um, schooling programs don't really cater for the different learning types of, that people have, whether it's like myself, kinesthetic or whether it's auditory. 
Um, so therefore, schooling I found quite difficult. But when I got into retail, uh, all of a sudden I felt like I was in a real life business management course, and a lot of um, things that I'd previously been spoken to about in terms of a lecture or um, in a in a school class environment, all, all of a sudden it all started to click and make sense. So. That's why I really like retail. I think that it provides a, a really large, you know, piece of our population and the world's population with a chance to, to you know, participate in change in communities and, and deliver, you know, not only a result to a community or a tribe, but also to themselves and, and build an asset that they can hopefully grow and flourish with and, you know, hand down, similar to your scenario, Robert, yeah. you know, from generation to generation. So that's... Yeah, the overarching reason why I love I love retail. I'm particularly attached to the sports retail area because that's where I've cut my teeth and, and played so much time in. And I love the sports retail area because I believe that you know, let's let's get out there and provide more green, less screen. Let's get bums off seats and away from gaming consoles and get out the next generation of Australians uh, out into the playing field so that we can help buck this. You know, as you know, this epidemic plague of obesity. So yeah. that's kind of the the real overarching stuff um with regards to pharmacy you know obviously you've spoken about the pbs uh, reform i just think that there's such in terms of geography within a um within an actual pharmacy you know there's so much area and space that is attributed to to retail uh, aside from the, i can only presume aside from the dispensary it's pretty much game on retail and uh it's uh I just think that pharmacy has so many advantages with customers walking in with a hand script saying this is what's wrong with me. So that's a leg up that many, many other retail environments don't have outside of optometry and a few other of those medicinal-based retail platforms. Um, But in a general sense, you know, if you're selling handbags, you don't have that leverage of just having a customer come in and say this is what's wrong. Um, so therefore, I think that's a real leg up that pharmacy has, and probably, on a general sense, doesn't leverage that well enough. So that's why I think that understanding retail dynamic a little more intrinsically for for pharmacy owners will help will help them, I guess, future proof and grow their business. Yeah, no, look, absolutely, and you touch on it. Such a great wide open space. Probably not in the smaller pharmacies, but in the larger ones. But, you know, typically we've operated on that 80-20 rule, but maybe not in the traditional sense in that 80% of our space has been attributed to retail, but really probably only 20% or less of the profit has come from that space. And uh, really the profit centre of pharmacies has and always will be at the moment uh, sat fairly and squarely in the dispensary. So the the retail area, it's often a a little dysfunctional. I, I know that... I know that a lot of our colleagues would probably have no problem in admitting to that in as much that, you know, it's something that we, we've done differently over the journey. We've seen so many different categories come our way in pharmacy. You know, we were, we were the home of the photo processing lab for so so long and we've seen what's happened to Kodak and uh, Fujifilm over that journey and, uh, you know, th- those categories have exited our pharmacies whilst others that were exclusively uh, ours in health and beauty and you know might have been bed and bath or maybe not bed <laughs> but uh, shower yep. and bath and uh, you know all of those things have, have been deregulated in pharmacy by being offered as opportunities to supermarkets so it's no longer I have to go to the pharmacy to get my shaver kit or to get some shaving cream or toothpaste there's so many other opportunities so it's not just a case of having the product that uh, automatically 
actually gets us the uh, the the retail sales. So, yes, it's mm. uh, it's something we can be doing a whole lot better. And I guess you know, having two young kids yourself, um, Christian, you know, what what have you observed? And um, you know, what could you share with us? I guess on the other side of the fence. Uh, from a from a consumer's point of view, uh, this is how you and I got to, got to chatting. You know, it was on on the fact that I'd had three recent visitations to to pharmacies. Uh, you know, uh, the big brands, and and one wasn't, but. Uh, in a general sense, there were similar experiences, and I reached out to yourself and said, "Rob, you know, I think if this is how it looks across the nation, well, then you know, you're in you're in a great spot because there's plenty of pharmacy owners that potentially need help out there." And I and I say that with all due respect because it's not a, I'm not saying this from a you know you're doing it on purpose sort of point of view. It's just maybe a skill set or an awareness system. So, um, yeah, and we had that chat back and forth and. When you, you kindly reached out and said, hey, you know, want to return serve and get you on the transformation show, I uh, want to talk about, you know, how you, pharmacy owners can improve their sales experiences on the shop floor. You know, I, I really took it upon myself to make sure that I went and got some relevant data and some insights. And uh, granted, it was only 24 people, but in the I guess in the two weeks from when you asked me to come on the show till now, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for at least going and, no, well and done, finding mate. that out. Um, and, and it's a really, obviously, a, uh, you know, a sweet spot time for pharmacy just with cold and flu being so prevalent um, in the population at the moment. So lots of people that I've spoken to had recently visited a pharmacist, which was cool because obviously it was fresh of mind. So, um, the, you know, the general consensus is that pharmacy retail is probably well behind uh, when it comes to engaging uh, helpful and succinct, and succinct, sorry, I should say, customer service. So, um, you know, that was why I went and just thought, well, that's my sort of, a, I guess, opinion. Um, I'll, I'll go and test it and see if everyone else is of a similar mindset. Um, the, I asked seven or eight questions, I think it was, and I'll quickly rabble through sure. them. It was more around how people feel when visiting a pharmacy. Um, so that was the first question. And when was the most recent visit that you've had to a pharmacy? Uh, we greeted on entry uh, within an acceptable amount of time. And I usually sort of ravel that off as about three minutes, so under three minutes. Um, did you require service? Were you offered service? Or did you have to source it yourself? Uh, did you have to order a prescription? If yes, did you purchase an uh, off-the-shelf product as well? Uh, and did you get help with that decision? Uh, how did you feel when you left? Satisfied, dissatisfied, unhappy or happy? And any other general comments? So of the 24 people, uh, 19, which is 79%, said that the visit was less than inspiring um, via either being dissatisfied or unhappy. So I suppose when you're looking at a, a visit to a pharmacy, or I guess we can all put our hand on heart and sort of say that it is in that sort of grudge purchase space, it's usually because you're crook or there's something wrong that you need fixing with. Uh, on the other spectrum, it often offers a beacon of, you know, it's a, a beacon of light. Like it's a, you, you should be walking out feeling like there's hope to to move on from what it is, whatever it is you've got and you've got some sort of accurate remedy for that. Um, 17 of the 24 uh, can can recall not being greeted on entry, which was 70%. Um, 83% or 20 of the 24 said that they required some form of service, uh, 40%, so 8 of the 20. So it's a form, uh, I've broken that um, 20 people down to 8 of them, yep. said that they were offered service uh, or help without being sourced. So that's a, that's a good thing. And uh, 54%, so 13 of the 24, visit the dispensary. And of that 13, only 38, so 5 
people purchased other items as well. So there's an opportunity mm. there on on its own. And as I said, it's only 24. It's not like I interviewed thousands, but yeah. I guess I just wanted to really sort of sense, as I said before we hit record, you know, I believe that wherever there's smoke, there's fire. Um, some interesting comments uh and I, you know, I had to laugh at this one. Um, gentleman said, "I felt like I was treated like a drug dealer because I wanted Demazin Twelve Hour and not Demazin PE." <laughs> yeah. The lady, the lady looked, took my license, which I know is protocol, and I'm fine with that. But it was the disdain and almost disgust that I that I felt from her post my request. She spoke down to me in very firm, um, in a firm manner about how to take this product in front of quite the crowd even though I told her that I knew how to take the product and had before. <laughs> uh, I work hard, long hours, and I hate being sick. I shouldn't be made to feel like I'm committing a crime because I'm trying to get better quicker. I will never visit that pharmacy again and have told many other to steer clear of the old bags inside that shop. So that was <laughs> a funny one. Yeah. Um, and I, I do know that that's obviously protocol there with those kind of um, drugs. But um, anyway, uh, and uh, another guy said, uh, I had enough time in the chemist to visit Google on my smartphone Source the answer I had uh, for the problem that I needed to fix. Um and are about it for a while, then make a decision without being offered service. So there's a couple of gripey ones there, but a good mm. one was my local my local chemist is awesome. Uh, I feel like my health and my family are the most important thing. They know our names. They interact with the kids. They offer jelly beans and whatnot to them. The pharmacist is such a nice guy. Uh, I think it's a family-owned business. I could be wrong. So that was kind of a couple of overarching captured comments there. So interestingly. I think that, you know, um, with a, a couple of those comments, you know, if we did unpack it, there was mm. words such as feel, felt quite prevalent throughout those comments and yeah. and that's where I really wanted to help pharmacy owners. Um, that's the most important thing that comes with retail is how do people feel when they come into your business and how do they feel when they leave and customer service is the direct link to, to affecting that and influencing it. Yeah, it's 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 a really interesting one. The the pseudoephedrine comes up a lot, and uh, you know, having been through different customer feedback cycles over the journey, it's one that comes up repeatedly, and it's and it's one that we don't do very very well. Uh, we do have a, a compliance responsibility of uh, recording the entries, uh, but I think it's how we introduce the topic. Um, and, and even one personal example, myself in uh, attending a, uh, I, I won't name names but uh, a discount pharmacy here in Victoria and there are quite a number of the same it might, mm-hmm. might be hint hint um, but uh, th- they had they went to an even further level which I'm sure uh, your gentleman would have uh, f- found even <laughs> with more disdain in that uh, they uh, would not only take the driver's license uh, disappear for a couple of minutes without really telling you why they would disappear I-, I had a bit of a gripe on the show a few weeks ago about this particular one so it does it does irk pharmacists as well as customers and uh, came back with a, with the item in a locked box for me to yeah. take to the front. Now, obviously, they could have put the handcuffs around me and said, we don't trust you, you're going to run out with it. So there's a whole lot of, you know, there's certainly compliance and that's, I guess, one element of our pharmacy retail, which is very different from a traditional retailer in as much that you'll still obviously have to manage shrinkage and theft and things like that in any retail business. Um, mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, to be able to manage those legal compliance things, it needs to have a different feel to it. Um, and, you know, it, and, and 
quite often, you know, some of the most complicated things can be simplified, you know, in 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 a very good way. Um, you know, I'm probably very guilty on this show of probably plugging Apple a little bit too much, but I love the experience. Computers and technology can be so complicated, but they've done so well at simplifying it down to the point that you know even the most technologically illiterate person can come to an Apple store and learn about what they might need and be helped in a way that's meaningful for them um, yeah. so that you know their feeling is fantastic and you know it's no wonder that so many of us end up in their ecosystem of you know starting off with a iPod or an iPhone and then progressing all the way through to all of their suite of products because everything has that overarching simplicity to it and I think I think health is one that's very very similar to that and mm. you know it could well be and you know and this was one of the real reasons I wanted to get you onto the show Christian is that we often don't have the high powered skills and the background of really you know having good strategy and tactics when when it comes to selling because mm. we are clinicians and health professionals first um, and you know we don't go through a, a very rigorous retail training or business training whilst we're g- going up through the ranks it's often you know a very uh, awkward conversation as much for us as it is for the customers who don't want to come in but they need to come in to feel better and get back into the path to good health so yeah I'd, I'd love to um, I'd love for you to share with our listeners today I guess you know where you see I guess a sales conversation for example um, you know being I guess even simplified from their perspective um, so that you know they can feel a little bit more confident um, when they uh, tackle their next um, customer that they come across yeah okay um Pharmacy, I guess from what I said before, you know, the pharmacy needs to probably just work a little harder on, on lightening the mood, you know, because it, it, you can have some fairly serious conversations, I can only imagine, um, either over the counter or on the shop floor and, and you know, a, a, an extreme level of tact needs to be applied. Now, I would perceive that most people who are in pharmacy have a probably a deeper drive to help people. You know, if, it, if you're a doctor or a pharmacist or just working in that space, I kind of think that that needs to be one of the, the gatekeeper rules to recruitment with putting people into your shop is you've got to want to help people. And so therefore, you know, are there any manipulative sort of, you know, arm up behind the back, get the signature on the deal and, you know, before they know they're out the door with more than they need and more than they wanted to spend. No, there's not. And I don't really promote that strategy um, at all. In fact, I I just think that if pharmacies come come back to uh, and the people within them can come back to the, I guess, the primitive um, reason as to why they're there in the first place, which is just to help people, they will actually start to sell more as a result. Now, what we often do in business, because when things get tight, we start to focus and put our blinkers on purely the result rather than the behavior that delivers the result. So the result in, in this particular conversation is how do you sell more or how do you convert more? Yeah, and now I'm here saying don't focus on that. <laughs> it sounds a little bit, I suppose, <laughs> Um, ironic, but I'm saying don't focus on that because that's purely an outcome. Focus on the things that deliver the outcome. So awesome customer service is actually built really around a few key principles. Um, you know, the customer needs uh, are always and have to be always first. You know, no apparent task or challenge aside from preventing fatality or evacuating a burning be- building should really take precedence over that. Um, and And being able to be 
I guess, uh, have your radar on and have your team's awareness levels up around the fact that, you know, if a customer walks in, you know, drop what you're doing and get engage- and go and engage them, you know, go and make them feel because you've got to understand that when they generally are walking in, this is why I went and talked to these people, you know, like, how do you feel about going to a pharmacy? And they're like, shit house, you know, mm. like, mm. I, you know, it's, it, I don't want to go to a pharmacy. It's not like it's, I go there for fun. Mm. Um, so, therefore, you, you've got to understand that that's how people are walking in. And the longer you leave it, the more that kind of feeling is going to manifest within oneself when, once they're in your shop. And remember, this is all, this conversation today is all about how customers feel. So that's one thing to, to work on is, you know, make sure that you're getting in front of them quickly and helping change and augment that feeling straight away because they're walking in with that already on their shoulders. Um, you know, remarkable service is about trust. You know, it's really about can I spend enough time with my customers to help them believe in my promises. And that's really all customer service is. I, I believe that there is an absolute, underscore that word, absolute um, direct link between the amount of time that you spend with a customer face-to-face to how much they spend. Now, it is going to differ between different retail environments. Obviously, if your average transaction value like Apple is $1,000 or whatnot, well, then the more time you spend with them as you said, the more they're going to be a lifelong customer and the more they're going to probably spend each visit mm. versus if you're at a convenience store, you know, obviously your average transaction value is probably $4.75 for a pack of Tic Tacs and some bread. Um, again, you know, built on that premise, it's highly scalable and it's obviously highly aligned that, tr- that, that time and average transaction value are directly linked. So, there's a quick little win that you can work on in your teams is how do I get my teams to spend more time with customers face-to-face? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. so that, that's – and with regards to things like your, your general um, subscription substitutions and um, how do you, how do you I, I guess, have that conversation because that's one I know from a personal fact where people go, hang on a minute. You know, I ask for Panadol or I ask for, you know, Nurofen and they're trying to push this other stuff mm. and that's and and it's because it's not framed correctly. It's not the conversation is it's like, okay, I need some, you know, um, pseudoephedrine or I need, need some um, uh, ibuprofen or whatever it is yep. and, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the common brand is Nurofen or whatever and you're trying to shove some Rafen down my throat, you know, like and yeah. it's just not done well. So. Therefore, we're losing that trust again and that's where people sort of again go, well, this sounds to be more about them than it is me. This seems to be and, – and it, and it isn't. Like obviously you, you off air said, Rob, you know, mm. it's more about the fact that there's actually some, some, I guess you want to call it politics or business sort of, I guess, developments in behind the scenes that customers aren't aware of. Well, it, I guess it's to do with, you know, where, where pharmacies look at, you know, I guess like any business, maximising the level of profit. And uh, I, I guess when you've gone through a period of time, as we have in the last 15 years of, you know, that increasing operational cost, whether that be from a, a, a labour perspective and whether it's also from a remuneration point of view coming down the other way, um, that you know that substitution of uh, medicines for generic medicines was introduced as a way of offsetting those uh, changes that are going off in the background. Not forever and a day, because as we all know, uh, the opportunity around generics, uh, both from an over-the-counter and also a prescription point of view, uh, is, has is 
coming to the end of a closing window. Um, mm-hmm. But but nonetheless, it's 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 an interesting point you make about it not coming across well because I don't think we feel comfortable doing it either. Um, and you know we've quite often, as we spoke about off air, uh, you know had different specialists come to us with scripts to say, would you like the less expensive brand? And sometimes that was the sometimes that was true, sometimes not. Um, in some cases, where uh, would you like our preferred brand? Um, and just getting the phrasing right. But I guess you know, as as uh, someone who's you know grown up in other other areas of retail, you know, how how would you love to have seen that phrased? Because it's one we often battle with. I think if it was me, if I all of a sudden you know I uh, go through some sort of journey where all of a sudden I'm standing in a in a pharmacist trying to sell stuff. Um, I would simply be saying, look, I know that this previous, you know, previously in your life or in other times has come across as a bit of a uh, us trying to grab more money or profit. It's actually not about that. What this is what's happened, and you can quickly ravel that up. I'm probably not the best person yeah. to to frame that. You just go in one sentence, try and develop a pitch where people quickly understand that this particular drug is now more affordable. The ingredients are exactly the same as your big brands. There's absolutely no benefit that's of anything worth talking about to us. It's more about you. So it, it, is this an option that you want to take? And I think that's when it, when it becomes more about the, the customer is going to benefit. If you can develop a pitch or a quick little sales um, sentence or a paragraph around that, you watch the amount of uptake that will happen as a result yeah. of that rather than... And it will also make the pharmacist or the salesperson in the retail in the in the pharmacy retail feel a lot more comfortable about talking about it because it it's kind of like drawing the curtain back and going look there's no hidden agenda here you know, this is this is purely this is just the scenario like a, yeah. what the other question is would you feel like are you going to feel more comfortable not providing your customers with the best most affordable solution mm-hmm. um, and if it is the most affordable solution to what their problem is well then absolutely it should be pre- presented but as you said just about how it's presented. Yeah, and, and I think that's where it got tricky too, in that a lot of these generic medicines, uh, from a customer-facing pricing point of view, um, is, uh, as, as you may be familiar, uh, the way uh, prescription medicines remunerated, uh, the customer may pay a small proportion of it, uh, but the government will pay a larger component of that price. So if it's mm-hmm. a customer who's got a concession card, they may only be paying $6.10, um, whereas uh, a customer who um, you know might, might um, you know just be have no concessional entitlements they may actually bill them they may actually fit the whole bill themselves so it, it comes down to um, I guess where um, there's no financial benefit from a customer point of view and from a pharmacy point of view well They've been able to buy the generic medicine in at a lower price than the uh, regular brand, um, and so mm. therefore it's in the pharmacy's best interest to sell that product. Whereas from a customer point of view, purely from a financial standpoint, there is no benefit. So it's a really, okay, so so it's if, a really if interesting. If that, yeah, if, and if that's the case, where the, the the customer, if it's neither, you know. It, if it really doesn't matter that to them, because this is what it's all about, you know, it's like what's in it for me from a customer's point of view. They don't care. At the end of the day, you can sit there and go, well, we're going to buy. If we buy, if we sell more of this, it means that we're going to be able to buy more 
of these other type things which is going to provide the community with a better service. And as much as there might be one in a 100 people that might care about the greater good of, it, of mankind, most people don't and that's the reality. Um, so therefore, they're, they're sort of like, what's in it for me? Nothing in it for me. Don't care. Give me the one I trust the most. Um, yeah. and, and therefore, you probably do have a hard, you know, a hard sell ahead. It's, um, and when you do try and push a product over another one and uh, – that's when it becomes salesy. That's when the conversation mm. enters an awkward, an awkward state. And I'd highly recommend sales conversations should be nothing more than just a conversation around how can I help you make an educated decision on what you need to get. Yeah. Um, as soon as it becomes more about you than the customer, that's when it becomes salesy. That's when it gets awkward. That's when customers feel like they're being manipulated and sold to. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think that – and the other thing to come back to is if pharmacy um, floor salespeople or the pharmacist themselves can spend – if the more time you spend up front before you've even got to the product conversation, the more time you spend on the problem and the implications of not solving that problem, the more whatever you say as the pharmacist, the more they're going to trust that word. If you, if you don't develop and spend time developing that rapport up front, you could re- you could recommend you know you could have the Ebola virus in it. You could be the you know the pharmacist saying this is what you have to take to to be free of it, and you're going to struggle because you don't have that that high element of trust that you need to have. Yep. Um, so that's it. it's a really important premise that that not just pharmacy but all retailers really need to understand is is that the more one on one time you can have with customers, the better relationship you're going to have with them. The more they're going to trust you. And the better experience you're going to deliver. Now, Apple, as you've said, you probably overquoted. We all do because mm-hmm. they do a lot of this right. Absolutely. Um, so it's really just around unpacking what they do and 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 replicating that in, in your own retail environments. You know, people don't don't fix or solve small problems generally. They they usually try and fix and solve big ones. And health is a big issue. Yeah. You know, because it just gets in the way of not even colds and flus just get in the way of feeling good. So. Um, the cool thing about that is, is that, that, as I said, pharmacy owners have a, a real leg up because people are coming in, you know, I know myself, as soon as I get a scratch in my throat or a, a tickle in my ear, like I'm literally in at the pharmacy sweeping armfuls of stuff into baskets, you know, anything, give it yeah. to me, you know, sort of thing, you know, like I'll, I'm, the, I'm sort of like the, the atypical male that just, you know, gets the man flu bad and, yeah. and hates it, you know, like I just, the world comes crashing down, so... I think that uh, there's a real advantage point there. It's just around probably working the feelings that people walk in with and then and then having them feel better when they leave and that's when they're going to keep coming back to you and that's really what you want. Yeah. In business, it's around how to not only attract the customer it's a, but it's more so now around how do you keep it and you referenced earlier the fact that supermarkets now sell bath products and all of that's opened up. I mean, it's no different for retailers Anywhere, like our exponential competitor is the internet, yeah, um, and that's where retail in general has had the rug pulled from under their feet because it's it's all of a sudden you know the customer has the wheel now they have the power uh, you know they can go well you know if you deliver even a satisfactory level um, experience that's not good enough you know like I'll just simply go online yeah and 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 pharmacies are a little bit proofed against that because it's not like you can order drugs online or to my knowledge anyway. Oh, you can. Um, yeah. You can? Okay. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if I'd want to, though, because there's just, you know, it's just 
I think we might be playing in a different game there where you, <laughs> you know, that trust factor comes into it. So I think pharmacy is a little bit more sheltered that way than, let's say, a handbag retailer or someone who sells sports shoes yeah. um, in that commodity space. But, um, yeah. Yeah, look, it, it, it's, it, it's, it's a really interesting one because I think, you know, as, as I mentioned, we're not traditionally skilled in, uh, in having those conversations. And, you know, it's really, I guess, the previous retail experience that we get told is that you know it's about providing health solutions um you know so then you're recommending all of the possible products um that may go with a certain scenario so like you mentioned yourself when you get struck down with the common cold you know you'll go and grab an armful of things um to uh you know get yourself set on the path but you know i think i think a lot of the time is really about designing that customer journey and I think we've been too product focused over the over the journey, and probably not enough focused on you know where the world is going into the wellness movement right now, where people are knowing more about their health just even from the devices they're carrying around on their wrists and everywhere else that we're doing to you know to keep in touch with ourselves, trying to make sure we stay in good health for as long as possible. Um, so it's perhaps taking a step back and uh, looking at what comes before and. Uh, what comes afterwards but at the same time when you've got that opportunity like as you mentioned that retail most retailers would uh, kill for the opportunity that we have a lot of the time in that people will tell us exactly or have a prescription that will tell us exactly their reason for coming to the store you know perhaps there's a whole range of things that we need to be thinking about more in terms of our merchandise design and you know as you mentioned um, the time as well you know that's one of the most critical elements in that you know the, the the squeeze that we're in at the moment of the fact that you know our remuneration is dropping our operating costs are rising and some of the responses that our colleagues are doing is by removing people from the from the stores uh, to yeah. put more onto the existing staff, uh, reducing levels of services, opening hours, all of these things that would be extremely relevant to the customer who's unwell who needs to come in at a time that that they choose. So you know, hence we talk a lot on this show about technology and things that we can do to, I guess, improve our availability of times to make room for these conversations but I wonder if you could share with us you know around solutions um, that involve things beyond just products you know services and perhaps how that can be mapped out I know that in episode 53 we spoke with Brian Walker about the importance of that customer journey and the fact that it's not linear anymore that it's going to involve digital it's going to involve all of these little dinky pathways to get to the uh, path to purchase but Mm. you know around designing that solution you know what what would be you know your best advice on that um are we talking about uh time in the store or actually getting them to the store and touch points well i guess maximizing the uh the value of the the retail experience because i guess it must be it must be an experience because we've touched on the fact that a lot a lot of the categories are available elsewhere um, aside from perhaps the higher powered cold and flu medicines and those schedule two schedule three medicines like ventolin and things like that but yeah, yeah yeah absolutely okay yeah, cool. All right. So let's let's uh, let's presume that they're they're at your store, and and how do we um, set the store up to optimize the the experience? As you said, the first thing I'll do is have a real good look at your entrance 
points from a visual standpoint. Uh, the natural tendency for retailers is to shove everything, uh, including the kitchen sink, up around the front. Um, you need to renege against that desire and actually keep your entranceway is wide open, free of clutter, um, you know, so that people can feel like they can actually come in. You don't want the Great Wall of China, um, otherwise known as toilet paper block, you know, um, <laughs> you know, dis- displays at the front of your store, preventing people to walk in, you know, where there's this little half-metre aisleway that you can skimp your way into. So you want to keep it nice and open. You want to make sure that you've got minimal marketing messages. You don't want to have 50% of that, um, buy one, get one. Uh, we've got a sale on, you know, Genovas vitamins. You don't want to have all of that at the front because it, people just don't know where to look. At any one point in time, as you might know, Rob, you know, we're receiving up to 5,000 messages at once, you know, and our reticular activating systems only work. Um, well, their, their job is to simply filtrate a lot of that to be from most irrelevant, most important, to least relevant, least important. And the least stuff, they'll just kick the reticular activating system in the brain will just block that out and you won't see it. So keep the marketing messages to no more than two. Keep it simple. Keep it bold, though. Um, once people are in your store, this is where the magic happens. I, I do believe that you need to work against... Um, and it's a common thing, and I do understand it from a wage point of view, reducing the amount of people on your shop floor to to be able to serve and, and look at using technology to improve the optimum, um, I suppose, wage to sales percentages and those kind of key metrics around profitability in your retail store. But at the end of the day, if you need to develop a business, um, you need to develop it for the long term and go with the long burn, I'd say. So I always look at if you haven't got enough people in and around those areas outside of the dispensary in a in a pharmacy based retail environment that can go and float and talk to people around you know different you know, let's say um, I don't know dandruff shampoos or you know whatever else you know you need people that are out there talking to the to the people in in the general shop rather than just either at the counter or at the dispensary because that's where often a lot of these experience misses happen and occur is and even via those people that I spoke to and interviewed prior to talking today it was around look I went in I didn't get served I stood there for five minutes I was able to grab my smartphone I was able to look up the problem myself and leave and that's again where it's playing right into the fact that you, you become very vulnerable as a business if if that's your business strategy is to let people self-select and self-serve um, that's really what some of those big players, if you want to call them discount warehouse, those chemist warehouses sort of, that's where they play. And they, they'll win, I guess, a portion of um, the the market share in pharmacy based on the fact they have everything and it's a bit of a one-stop shop. But if I'm, you know, mum and dad's store in, you know, outback Croydon in Victoria and I need to, you know, my business is sort of struggling to grow, I would be niching down and making sure that experience is our key point of difference. So um, a, a little acronym that I use to help retailers, um, I guess, promote service is TRUAD, so T-R-U-A-D, um, which is a little, I suppose, method to help uh, shop floor salespeople build a good experience with their sales conversation. So the T stands for time, which we've we've um, spoken about already a couple of times. So, you know, a good greeting. And a lot of the awkwardness can quickly be evaporated out of a sales conversation by just simply framing the conversation by saying, do you mind if we have a five-minute conversation? You know, as soon as you actually do that, people feel like, okay, I'm like your customer will be, I feel comfortable now. I know what's coming. We like 
certainty, would like to know what lies ahead. A lot of the awkwardness in sales conversations is via not knowing and, and that can play as important for the customer service representative as well as the customer. So by having that quick little, hey, do you mind if we had a chat about a few quick things that we need to know before we can move on to what's the best solution? Then the customer knows that you're going to ask those questions and they're probably going to give you a lot more accurate answers. Um, the R stands for reveal. So you really want to reveal the real problems and goals here. So your goals are probably a little bit more of a, a let's say, weight loss kind of conversation potentially for pharmacy um, sales assistants. But certainly within the problems, you know, what's going on? You know, like where, what's the current situation and how is that uh, affecting you and your life? Um, unveil the barriers. So that's uh, the U is unveil barriers areas and implications. As I said earlier, people don't fix small problems, they fix big ones. So the more you can, I guess, uh, help articulate to a customer that they, they actually want to avoid a catastrophe rather than clean one up, the more they're going to want to solve that with you on the shop floor there and then and probably buy an extra one or two products um, to help build that that total solution rather than just, I'll fix it now um, you know, I'll put a bullet over, oh, sorry, a bandaid over a bullet wound, and then I'll have to potentially come back in three weeks' time and get the next part of the journey. So, the longer you can spend unveiling those problems, the more you're going to be able to sell to people and, and build a better solution and, and ultimately a better experience. The A stands for advice. So, have them try, taste, touch um, as many of your recommendations, even if it's a, a box. You want to get it in their hands. You want them to develop an emotional attachment to that particular product. They're going to feel a lot better about it too. And again, this actually comes back to a primitive um, emotion that directly leads to trust. So therefore, people are able to go, okay, I feel it, I touch it, I know it, I'm, I'm good with it. And the last one is deliver um, you know, valued via unexpected extras. Okay, so... There's a, there's a model that Sherlaw's references called standards and extras and that's really around... Uh, a great example is if you go to Super Cheap Auto um, and you want to buy windscreen wiper blades um, for your car, you sometimes they will actually go and install them on your car, not knowing that that's, a, that's something that they potentially offer. Now, that's an extra. When that happens, people feel very, very, very good about their experience. It wasn't expected. But then the next time you go to Super Cheap Auto and buy windscreen wiper blades, it's now an expectation, so therefore it's now a standard. Now, if a standard isn't delivered, that's when people leave feeling dissatisfied. So if I was a pharmacist, I'd sit down and look at how many extras can we build into our service conversation. Now, it could be anything from how to apply a perfume or a, or a particular cream or, I don't know, how to bandage a wound. I'm not sure. There's mm. probably a plethora of them that would take... I know an example of a time where I watched a guy teach a customer how to wrap their hands um, with boxing wraps to go on the inside of their boxing gloves. And just the level of detail and time that that took um, was just phenomenal. They're the types of things that you want you want to deliver is how can I blow this customer away with a little bit of information or a bit of content. You know, you could have your top seven mistakes that people make when recovering from a cold, you know, as a little document that you can hand to people during peak cold season or whatnot. Um, it, it's just around delivering more value. Um, a lot of people and retailers reference the word uh, upsell, and I don't believe in it. I think it's. Uh, I read a book by Dan Pink. It's called To Sell as Human. I highly recommend most retailers mm. read it, get it, and read it. And at the back, he talks about it's not upselling. You know, get rid of that out of your out of your conversation. It's around upserving. So at the at the you know the finishing points of a of a sales conversation. 
what can you do to blow people away that's going to add heaps of value? And that's really what's going to decommoditize your pharmacy retail environment from others is that feeling when people go, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say, Christian, that was absolutely awesome. That had... uh Lots of golden ticks alongside a lot of what you just mentioned there. That is a great model for looking at that. And um, I'll, uh, all of those links that Christian just mentioned there, I'll pop in the uh, show notes there at uh, robertstar.com forward slash episode 73. Christian, that is absolutely brilliant. And I guess as we get our um, crystal balls out, um, you know, I guess with everything that we do and retail's no exception, uh, we've quite often had those periods over the last few years where we had uh, the physical store and then we had the e-commerce era then we went multi-channel cross-channel omni-channel and now we're back to retail again as just being the standard of all of those things seamlessly moving across i guess where do you see the the future future of retail and uh, i guess you know it's going to be always ever important from a pharmacy business point of view as well so i guess what do you see that looking like well yeah what you said is right you know like we have come full circle and i believe that um you know, if we cast our minds back and we've done any reading around what retailing was like back in the 1900s, the turn of the 1900 century, you know, if you were a butcher, a baker, a candlestick maker, or if you just polished shoes for a living, you didn't have uh, a marketing budget. You didn't have, you know, ads that could go out telling people how good you were. You didn't use a discount policy to attract and incentivize purchases. What you had was excellence and that was all that you had. If you were really good at what you did, that was your market position and that was your only market position. So, um, And it was around back then, if you polished shoes, it was how could you do it better than the next person up in the next town and what else could you offer that built um, a returning, um, I guess, a return visit time and time again from that same customer. I think we're back to that now. I think retail is, is all about experience-driven um, strategies in in and around the shop floor. I, I know that you do have to be multi-channeled. You do have to have multiple touch points and, and act, I guess, expose your business to different audiences via uh, online retailing and e-commerce, et cetera, but, and, you know, social media, all that sort of stuff. None of that stands for anything. If they, you eventually get people to your store, your brick-and-mortar place, your you know, the mother town and you deliver a crappy experience. You know, none of that therefore matters. It doesn't stand for anything and, and your brand is diluted. It's inconsistent. Again, referencing Apple, you know, all of their touch points have the same experience, whether it's in, in a digital sense or in a brick and mortar sense um, and unpack what they do and replicate it. So yeah. I think that it, you know, I spoke with on my show uh, a lady by the name of Rachel Smith and she did a, an international Guggenheim study on the future of shopping centres and they went to Berlin, they went to New York, London, you know, some of the biggest cities with the biggest shopping centres and her, her key cry was shopping centres of the future are all going to be around experiences. You know, they're going to have water parks and, you know, outdoor cinemas and, you know, the new Pacific Fair store up, in, up on the Gold Coast has got an outdoor cinema in it. Um, it, it's going to be more around how the key metric for shopping centres, which eventually therefore will be retailers, is how long can we get a customer to spend in time in our store, not how much can we get them to spend in our store. And and that's really where, where retail is heading, I think. And um, the more that we can jump ahead and build our, our strategies to, to leverage that, I think that those retailers are going to be on the front of the wave rather than on the back. 
Yeah, yeah. No, look, absolutely. And I think it's a great reference for the shopping centres now because, you know, everyone's competing in the attention economy and, uh, you know, a lot of the digital platforms where everyone, you know, is on the same playing level. The the technology has levelled that playing field for every business. And, uh, you know, people are spending lots and lots of time on Facebook now. And if people are going to do something that involves human interaction uh, that takes them away from the, the precious smartphone, it's going to have to be a remarkable experience. And uh, no doubt the pressure is on all of us in retail uh, to deliver on that. And uh, I think we're going to be very well served with uh, your great tips and knowledge that you've shared with us today. And uh, we'll link through to Christian's podcast show. I can highly recommend it, having been a future, a previous guest and also uh, having tuned into a number of his episodes, uh, the go-to retail show. So we'll link to that. Thanks for the chat, Christian. It's been fantastic having you on. I look forward to following your journey and uh, in inviting you back in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me and um, good on the pharmacy retail sector for fighting the good fight. And, um, yeah, for anyone out there listening who needs help, be sure to shout out. Cheers. Thanks, Christian. Well, I certainly think that when we hear the word sales in future, we're going to think about a whole different way in a way that actually is not making us feel uncomfortable because we now know a secret formula. And no doubt that forms part of our three key learnings this week. Number one is remarkable service creates trust with your customers. And as we talk a lot about on this show in creating a smarter, more successful pharmacy business, in creating a patient-centric business model, Model. It's all about the customer and it's all about how we can invest more time. If we invest more time, we'll run a more profitable business. As Christian spoke about, Apple has proved this model time and time again. We need to be more responsive and understanding of our customers' feeling when they come into the store. We quite often focus our conversations on uncovering the symptoms and the problems and what we can recommend that's going to address those problems, but we quite often don't think about how the customer is feeling feeling when they've walked in. Have they just been waiting 40 minutes at the doctor's surgery and they're not really ready to be waiting another 20 or 30 minutes? Is there something we can do to help with that? And certainly by not being responsive and not coming up to them straight away, we're certainly going to fuel the fire that's already burning inside them. Number two is generic conversations can harm your business if done incorrectly. Something we all know, something we've all battled with. No doubt over our journeys, we've had many different scripts and processes put in front of us of how we can maximize our success with generics. And ultimately, if there's nothing in it for the patient, then pushing them too far could result in losing them forever. And it's really about addressing that whole balance of the transaction economy that we talk a lot about, which is on the way out in all forms of retail, not just pharmacy, but moving into this wisdom economy and where we can connect our products and services and our advice with what really matters to the customer. And so it might be that the best thing for your pharmacy is not to push generics with a particular customer because you may lose them forever, particularly as we talk about a lot on this show around the diabetic customer, for example. They are very valuable to your business, not only because they're regular customers, but ultimately from the products and services that they are going to need from you and for you to help to mold and create and put together a fantastic model for their care moving forward, whether that be a referral to a podiatrist. 
whether it's got to do with wound dressings that might come up, eye care, all sorts of things that are related to their condition and what they desperately need you to help them with. But if you're going to push really hard to get that generic metformin down their throat, then you may lose them forever. So just be mindful that it's not always a one-size-fits-all model. And number three, Christian's absolute gold today, his TRUAD model. And I'm going to run through it because I really want to distill the learnings further down, and I know you would too. And T for time, asking permission to have that five-minute conversation. If you ask permission, then they don't mind having the conversation. But if you automatically assume that they must listen to you for five to ten minutes without asking permission, then you may be met with resentment. R for reveal, so the problems, the goals. We're really good at all of this, and particularly also the U for unveil, in unveiling the barriers and implications. We do this really well, particularly when we use all of the algorithms, the what, stop, go. Lindo calf is always my best, my favourite of uh, going through all the clinical conditions that may be resulting in a patient's current condition. So things around their location, intensity, nature, duration, onset, causative factors, aggravating factors, relieving factors, frequency, and all sorts of things that are going to help to uncover what is really driving their problems and symptoms in at the moment as well. I hope I got my algorithms right. It's been a while since I've run through it all like that. So feel free to correct me if you, if you know it better than I do. And then also around delivering the advice. So allowing them to try, taste, and touch. There's a great article that's in the show notes at robertstar.com forward slash episode 73 around Christian's thoughts around the endowment effect. So when you hand a customer the box to hold on to, what that does in terms of the trust and the feeling and the emotions that that evokes. And D for deliver. So value by unexpected extras. So he mentioned a couple of examples, super cheap auto and installation of the windscreen wipers versus just giving a product over the counter. It may be giving away a free measuring cup with a liquid medicine that doesn't have a cup inside. Um, also, maybe a demonstration video of the best technique to use a Ventolin inhaler. I know we spoke about that a lot. I think it was in episode 21 with uh, Simon Herford. I'll put a link in the show notes of how they use QR codes to give people a video that they can access at home about how to best apply a skin... Um, a skin cream and an ointment and all of those types of things. So it's anything that's going to deliver more value to your customer. So many golden lessons that come out of this, but hopefully we're feeling more confident about having these sales conversations. Well, that brings us to our transformation motivational quote of the week, which comes from my favorite from last week, Tom O'Toole. And the quote is, grow your business one customer at a time. I think that's so relevant, particularly for this episode. You can ask yourself the question, how often do you do those little things? And it's just all about that extra effort, all those extra one percenters, things that surprise and delight your customers to the point where they're getting an experience that they can't get and they haven't seen anywhere else. And as Ivan Frangi in episode 42, geez, I'm putting two quotes into one here. If you give someone a customer experience they can't get anywhere else, they won't go anywhere else. Talk about bringing the distilling the learnings of transformation into one single quote. Next week, 
As promised, we're going to have our catch-up episode. So it's going to be episode 74, and we're going to distill the best learnings that came in non-critical areas, and it will come from all of the contributors to Transformation Magazine issue number two. So there's going to be something in it for all of you, whether you're looking to become more efficient and ultimately go up to cloud accounting perhaps, or you've already purchased a robot and you're looking to see how you can advance on that and how you can get the best benefits out of your investment. Or you may be looking at how you can embrace and engage and become more efficient in pharmacy payroll. There's something in it for everyone. I know you're going to love it. Don't forget, if you've loved this week's episode and you've loved Christian's insights as well, leave a comment in the show notes. I know both Christian and I would love to see them. We'd love to have a look at them, see what you took out of it, and read and respond to every single one of them. Have a great week, everyone. And remember to register for the Transformation Masterclass next Friday. We're nearly at capacity, so don't dilly-dally. Make sure you grab your spot at Star dot com forward slash business exit webinar and there's a link in the show notes as well have a great week everyone and i look forward to speak with you again next week bye for now